from the backwoods and the swamp waters of the Sunshine State and all across America and the world, this is The Big and Wild Outdoors with your host, Braden Gunn, Jonathan Swindle, and Glenn Kinman. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Hour number three. We're getting her done, man. I am. I'm going to need a donut. I'm you know, just... uh, last hour we were talking a little bit about worms, but I, I still stand by my uh, my original statement that, uh, oh, by the way, it's Braden, Glenn, and Bart in the studio today. Uh, I, I stand by my original statement. I've caught more brim with, with grasshoppers than I have with crickets. I mean, I, I, I don't know if it's because of the... Difference or maybe uh, the 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 brim that I was catching, the fish that I were catching were more in tune to the green or brown grasshoppers that you ran well, through the fields and actually I, I, went and caught, as opposed to crickets that well, normally right, let's, aren't let's, found out there. Let's let's just think about the the insect itself. You got crickets, which naturally crawl and underneath the grass or you know right there on the surface, whereas the grasshoppers are on top. You know they have a tendency to jump and fly. Mm-hmm. So you would think that they would be more in tune because grasshoppers, you know, they don't think. They just jump away from whatever is near them. What do you think, Glenn? Grasshopper or cricket? Well, I've used more crickets than I had grasshoppers, but (laughs) I have watched the grasshopper. I picked a few up and threw it in the water and watched the fish eat them. I will (laughs) say this. One of the most amazing things I've ever seen in my life, you know, the old days when you're a kid and you're out fishing at the local stock pond or whatever it is around the area – and you go run around, you catch a few, you know, grasshoppers when you get a chance, put them on the hook. As soon as you throw it out there, bam, you know, you got a fish. On a kayak trip many, many years ago, I went over there. I brought my fishing rods and everything. And here was this. We found this spring, a small little spring out in the middle of the woods. It was only maybe eight feet across. It was just a bubbling hole out of the ground. It had a little creek that ran out of it that ran into the <clears throat> Oklahoma River. And I didn't have any bait, so uh, I went around, I went looking, go looking for grasshoppers. Well, I find those little black and yellow grasshoppers. I know you've seen them. Yep, I've seen them. Dude, put it on a hook, throw it out there, and I'm thinking, here we go! I mean, you could see the brim. I mean, it's like bath water. There's like 10,000 brim down there. They'd all come up, look at it, whoop, and go away. So there was something about that grasshopper that they didn't like. They, Maybe it was poisonous? I don't know. I didn't know if there was a poison grasshopper but uh, uh the thing was is <clears throat> i was like well toxic. it may be toxic or yep. maybe it was the color combination i don't know that maybe set them off and they're like yeah they'd come up they'd come right at it but I i've mean, done the same thing i throw in one of those black and yellow ones on the water at the lithia springs and they'll swim around and look at it but you throw a green one on there bang they're gone, gone. that's what yeah. i'm saying that i think it's got to be the color combo because uh, somewhere in that fish brain, it tells you that uh, it's, you know, like, that's death. I'm not going to eat that. They'd come running in. I mean, they'd be like, yeah. Oh, no. Not eating that and turn right around. But what kills me is you take a uh, little beetle spin mm-hmm. that's black with a yellow stripe down the middle of it. Bam, 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 bam. They'll hit it all day. Oh, this guy's got the, that little spinner. That's what I was going to say, the flash. You think that's the big difference? Yeah. I don't know, but well, that's you, the you difference gotta, between what you're – Fishing with when you just throw in the the one cricket or the grasshopper by itself, or you throw it in there with the little silver gold spinner with it, and now it's a little more flashy. I mean, it's the visual attractant. I don't they know. see the flash, they look over, they see, you know, could be an instinct. Something strike. there, they just they go hit it. 
All I know is that if it was a black and yellow grasshopper, them suckers, they don't touch <laughs> They just um, don't. They like look at it and go, yeah, I'm not eating that. I mean, growing up in Texas, we would have a uh, a cricket bloom in the spring and in the fall, uh, where they would pretty much just invade our schools when we were growing up. And I used to catch, you know, catch a handful of them, throw them in my pocket, take them back to the house, and go fish the stock pond. And yeah, I would catch I would catch brim with them, but I actually had better luck with artificials, just throwing beetle spins. Little maybe small maybe because it was something different. That way, they want to eat it before somebody else gets it. Hmm, possibility. I don't know. I just thought, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Maybe some biologists out there that can tell us uh, why they won't eat the black and yellow uh, crickets or grasshoppers. But uh, like no, Glenn says, up. you throw a green one out there, it was on. doesn't stand a chance. Yeah. I don't care if it's a monster. I mean, Katie did. Well, we out. had those big, giant yellow grasshoppers, and we didn't use pesticides out of the farm uh, out in Texas. We went out with uh, BB guns. And we would just shoot them off the vegetation. We would take the handful of those things and throw them in the pond. Dude, fish would go crazy for them. Yeah, but I, I thought that that's what those little black and yellow ones turned into. I thought they turned into them big giant monster ones that we see out here. Right I mean, now. I thought so as well, but... Is that not true? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? <laughs> all I know is that when I went out at night and tried to go you know, shine a light at night on all the, vegeta- all, the, all the plants, is that there was not just the big yellow ones. There was a myriad of different species of grasshoppers there. <laughs> So it wasn't just the ones that we could see. And the crazy thing was those things got smart. When they would see us coming, they'd get on the backside of the branch. (laughs) They'd be like, "Uh uh-oh. There's them kids with them baby guns. Run away, run away. I saw what they did to Earl. Amazing target practice. Well, speaking of guns, I wanted to mention this because uh, the firearms industry economic impact is on the rise and has been since 2008, uh, 171%. Believe it or not, uh, that's crazy. According to the National Shooting Sports Foundation, over a year, uh, on a year-to-year basis, the industry's economic impact rose from $51.4 billion in 2007 to $52.1 in 2008. And uh, total job increased from nearly 311000 to almost 312 in the same period. And the average working wage on those things is about $50,000, which made me actually kind of go in and do a little digging. I know that Glenn always likes to do this when he gets his teeth into something. So what I did is I went and uh, checked it out, went online, talking about firearms uh, industry creates jobs in America. And uh, they did this thing where they actually broke it down state by state. And I thought it was pretty interesting because the firearms industry not only has an average of around 162,845 jobs. It doesn't sound like a lot. But actually... When you figure the average wage of over fifty thousand uh, dollars, that actually totals out to let's see. You ready? Yep, I'm ready. Wages put out is around uh, six billion two hundred and twenty-seven million one hundred eight thousand two hundred for an economic impact of over twenty-one billion dollars when it comes to economics. In Florida alone, there are seven thousand one hundred seven jobs related to firearms. And uh, they pay out uh, wages of around $275,748,000. So you can figure that's a pretty good economic impact on the, on the whatever state that you live in. But I thought that it was funny because they brought it down. They broke it down, as you can see by my... Yeah, you got a lot of paper cut up. Paperwork right there. Each one of these is a state broke down. What do you think would be the number one state when it comes to uh, firearms employees? 
Out and of 50 states, what do you think is the the, the top doer? Is that, every time you turn around, you seem like Florida was under attack. So maybe I'm going to go with Florida. No, I mean, you would think that, you know, when they say how many people are employed by mm-hmm. in the firearms industry, which state do you think would be numero uno? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say Louisiana. Louisiana? I don't know why. I just Well, Connecticut possibly if you're employed, but but I know some manufacturers were moving. And, Texas. That's that 11,467. Yeah. <laughs> now, now here's here's the kicker. In reality, what do you think the number two state would be for uh, firearms-related jobs? <laughs> well, I don't know. Connecticut. <laughs> Bart, what would be your guess? Uh, Michigan. Yeah. You're, you're on it. Aaron, what do you think? What would be the number two following Texas with 11,467? Let's go Georgia. <laughs> this one's going to blow you away. California. The state with like the most restrictive, one of the most restrictive firearm policies on the planet. 9,196 people actually work in California in the firearms industry. The average per state is anywhere between uh, three to 5,000. Uh, with the Pennsylvania, uh, 6,107 uh, coming in there pretty close to number third up there. But What's really amazing is when I tell you who gets the pays the most and in what state that's in and how much money they make every single year as opposed to uh, anybody else in all the others. You know, the the California thing just really, I just don't understand that unless they're just making all those cap guns for Disneyland. I got it. You know what it is? They got got, uh, all those jobs are for gun confiscation. Okay. Yeah, confiscation. Is is? Gun related. I don't know. Disneyland, a little cap prop gun, court gun. Yeah, movies. prop guns. Yeah. Those are all made in China, dude. All right, we're going to take a break. It is the Big and Wild Outdoors. We're brought to you by G5 Feed Outdoors and Brandon Ford. Stay here. It gets better. A humble opinion, my friend. Hey, welcome back, everybody. It's the Big and Wild Outdoors. Braden Glenn and Bart in the studio today. Bill George out of Camp Mac for his little gator seminar along with Captain Dave Marquette. And Aaron's in the studio with us. And Jonathan's out in the woods probably singing a nice tune with the chainsaw. Yeah. And uh, he's out there cleaning up up in Bluntstown still after after the hurricane. He got lots to do. You know, that man's got to, you know, get his property in order because, you know, he offers uh, some hunts and stuff up there. I mean, he's an outfitter as well. So it's not like, uh, you know, you can just like let her lie. He's got uh, buildings to repair and things to replace. and A lot of brush to, to burn. A lot of stuff to get fixed and all that stuff. Well, uh, before the break, we were talking a little bit about firearms and the economic contribution of arms and ammunition in the industries here in the United States. And, of course, we know it's a lot of money, and I'll give you that to the in a minute. But uh, we talked about the, uh, <clears throat> the most employees for each state when it comes to firearm-related uh, products and uh, manufacturing and all the other stuff, Texas being number one, California being number two. But when it comes to how much does somebody make when they do this, what would be the economic impact of me if I go to work for a firearms manufacturer or something like that? Uh, I would say on average that the uh, um, the uh, average would be around 38, maybe 38000 a year, something like that on the low end. Yep. But uh, the top two states where you make the most money – I'm gonna give you. Uh, I'm gonna give you the number two, the second highest wages in the United States, and then I want you to give me the number one area where you would actually uh, 
make the most money in the firearm industry. You ready? Okay. Number two is Connecticut. Okay. In Connecticut, you probably make an average of around $75,600 a year. Wow. In the firearms industry. Well, that's where a lot of the manufacturing is, right? Right. Connecticut up there, they make a lot of guns up there. They really do. And, uh, of course, everybody keeps telling them, get the heck out of there, man. The killers yeah, for seventy five k a year, you can yell at me all day long. I ain't going nowhere. Well, number one, what would you think would be the number one area of the United States where you would uh, make the most money in the firearms industry? I don't know, New York. The word area should actually give you a clue. Well, the area being that means landmass, so that would be Texas. No, area would be uh, not necessarily a state. Uh, it could be a district of. Oh, really? The District of Columbia, huh? Washington, Shagan, D.C. What? $85,800. In the firearms industry. <laughs> yes, in firearms related. And all I could think of when I read that and I and I heard the numbers and I was thinking, well, it must be, uh, must be people and lobbyists that are there selling firearms and stuff to the military. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's, I mean that's that's, that's, that's what I could th- that's what I really what I would think of because I don't know of any manufacturing that's there in Washington uh, yeah, D.C. That's what I'm saying it's got to be arms industry people who are there uh, selling uh, you know to foreign nations or whatever it is. Uh, I don't yeah. know. Uh, that's the only thing I could come up with is I was like, man, that, what? Are they, they don't make no guns in Washington. What? How could that be? Oh, but you got a lot of military contracts and contract companies that are there, and you know, around exactly. the Langley, Virginia area, and stuff like that. They so. got to be nothing but lobbyists. But anyway, on the well, there's only three that work there, and, and, the, and the average wage is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I can actually give you those numbers. You ready? Uh, jobs. Okay, you know what they have listed here? Uh, they have. Oh, now here's funny. Jobs related in the District of Columbia related to firearms four. Uh, well, there you uh, see there now, but jobs related to suppliers six. <laughs> <laughs> okay, when it comes to the economic impact in the induced uh, jobs uh, there in District Columbia six, and when it comes to total sixteen. How now many you know, in Connecticut? Now you know why they're making uh, you know eighty five grand a year in Connecticut. You got around two thousand two hundred eighty nine yes. jobs and nine hundred and seventy uh, two in. Uh, the suppliers, and then uh, total overall is around five thousand four hundred and seventy-seven. So, really, half as I, much as Texas. I'm right. So uh, that that'll give you your indicators. In the economic output of the top ten states, total economic output in dollars it'd be Texas, then California, then Illinois, and then uh, the jobs top ten states: Texas, as we said, California is number two. Who would be number three? Connecticut. I'm sticking with it. Why do you keep saying Connecticut? Because that's Connecticut. where all your guns are it's made. Florida. It's Florida, dude. Really? Yeah. Think about all the manufacturing that we have here in the state of firearms that are made here. That's, that's this you is got true. Caltech. You got uh, Raven. You got uh, Down South. You got uh, uh, what is it? Wolf Industries. You've got uh, firearm manufacturers, Gorilla Ammo. All these others that are all made right here in the United States. And not to mention right component manufacturers as well. That's what I'm saying. Firearms related, firearms yeah. and ammunition related. So Florida, believe it or not, congratulations is number three when it comes to jobs. And in the uh, taxes, we're number four. Texas pays the most. California, number two. And Ohio, and then Florida, and then Pennsylvania. Connecticut, nowhere on, nowhere on the list of the, any of the top ten. So, so much for your Connecticut theory. It's well, all done. Well, I didn't want to get anything right anyway. <laughs> I mean, well, <laughs> is that you, what it is? You got D.C. almost right. 
anyway, you just an uh, inch off the bullseye with that one. I uh, saw two interesting outdoor, uh, actually three related uh, outdoor stories that I wanted to bring up on the show and get your t- talk on it. One of them was uh, the poor guy up in Michigan that got killed by a turkey. On his motorcycle, of course, a uh, turkey flew out across a bunch of them, flew across the road, struck a dude uh, on his motorcycle, and uh, put him down on the road killed him. Wow. That's not good. And uh, then, uh, speaking of death and humans, believe it or not, you might have heard this story, but out in Nevada, remember we talked about that that was one of the first states that wanted to do away with the coyote hunts out there? Correct. That they wanted to uh, get rid of the coyotes out there of... Uh, you know, the contests and, you know, the multiples and how many you can get and all that kind of good stuff like that, um, that they could go out there. Anything that was done as they would put it as in an entertainment type thing. So they would consider a contest to be entertainment inter- entertainment. Kind it's of not deal. population control on a uh, on a controlled group environment. It's to contest. Yeah. Well, they just introduced a bill not too long ago that would give the Nevada State Senate uh, would actually treat coyote hunting contests the same as someone convicted of manslaughter. That makes no sense. Can you believe that? It would be a Class D felony that carries a mandatory prison term of one to four years and a possible fine of up to $5,000. That makes no sense. Seriously. I mean, literally, it says that it's the same thing as someone uh, killing or burning down a house. It's going to be carrying the same penalty as uh, going and having a coyote competition. So, all right. So, the hypothetical situation. We all get together. We all go out to. We get to go coyote hunting out in Nevada. All it takes is one one person to say that we're having a contest, and we have to prove that upon the law if, if we're just a group of people out coyote hunting. So, therefore, it could be moved into a way to. Um, harass, I, I would say, and I, would demonetize more, hunters. It would be more of a harassment because I don't know if if there's no prizes or money involved or anything like that. I guess that, that it would be hard to prove that if it was between three or four people out right. together. I mean, whoever shoots the biggest one gets the case of beer. You know, that's that's our that's our our joke. Well, whatever. that would be a prize, and uh, I guess yeah, that would you're be, going to jail. It would be considered. But what a if class we all day. what if we all paid for it? <laughs> we all chipped in for it. Is yeah. that what it is? well that you would chip in for the coyote one too? I'm sure there's an entry fee. I mean, I, I get it. I'm just, I just don't understand the logic behind that at all. Uh, the logic is, is they want to do away with it, so I, they're going to make a penalty so stiff that no one wants to participate. That's so, how you do so it. whenever, so whenever coyotes are running down, uh, you know, there in Vegas Boulevard, running right down the strip, snatching hot dogs or you know little puppies in the middle of the road, they're going to open okay. it back up. Lying dog would lie down with dogs. You're going to get fleas. So uh, you know what? Let them get all the dogs they want, and then uh, sooner or later they'll be like other states where they're begging people to come in and take care of their right. problem. That's exactly what they're going to end up doing. Well, they're native there, so this this all fine. <clears throat> and it's so ironic that uh, our good friend Steve Austin actually uh, decided to uh, come in. I know he's probably got to do a shift over on his two radio stations down the hall, but <clears throat> this would be something that he might we might get his two cents in. Hey, Steve, would you like to come in and participate on the show? Yeah. I think you really ought to hear this story, and then we want your two cents on it. Okay. I had to do the talk back. That's why it sounded like I was really, really far away. There's no check involved in this. There's no check involved in this. This is for free. Freedom. What is it? Oh, it's on air? Yeah. Yeah, we're on the air. Hi. No, I'm in with headphones. Yes. I don't know if you heard this story, and I know that this is something where your opinion has changed over the years when it comes to certain things when it comes to hunting. And I don't disagree with all of them. Uh, But there was a guy who was called out this past uh, week 
who was a big game hunter out in Africa. And I wanted to get your take on it. You ready? Yeah. Go ahead. <clears throat> big game hunter who has killed more than 5,000 elephants says he's totally unrepentive after being named in an investigation into plummeting numbers and admits to killing 60 lions, 50 hippos, and 40 leopards. Yeah, I have I have a problem with a lot of that. Okay, well, see, when you hear the headline, a lot of people would have a problem with that. Justify killing 5,000 elephants to me. Ron Thomas, 77, who worked in the Africa's national parks for almost six decades, claims he was not hunting the animals for pure sport, but actually managing the population that would otherwise have gotten out of control. He was forced to defend his record by a report that came out on the campaign to ban trophy hunting, banned him and branded him as one of the most prolific elephant killers on the planet. On his website, he also claimed to have killed 800 buffalo, 60 lions, 50 hippos, and 40 leopards, as I alluded to. The total does not include kills where he made while leading culling teams that shot 2,500 elephants and 300 hippos in the Ganaroza National Parks back in the 1970s. Now, does that make it sound like it's more justifiable or not? No, because 75% of African elephants' uh, territory will be gone by 2050. Exactly what he was saying, too, is that uh, during his career, of course, he was also a game warden in the Hawang National Park and a professional hunter in his life for only three years. He no longer routinely hunts, but said he would go again if he was invited. And uh, he also says that he argues that elephants are not an endangered species that wildlife parks in southern Africa have 10 to 20 times more elephants than they can sustain, and they're destroying their own environment, and that's the problem is the fact that they're not having, they don't have the room anymore. And well, so that I, it, I, don't, I don't believe that elephants lived on this planet for 20 million years, just decided last month to destroy their habitat. <laughs> well, the problem might have, might have something to do with those super highways and big, big uh, exactly. lodges. And, exactly. It's you, not, you, know, you need to go because you're interfering with my high paying clients. Well, now, see, on that argument right there, which we could get into a lot more de- in depth, is those people who say, well, you moved into the Black Bears territory, so you're just going to, were, they were there well, first. But, but here's, here's your logic there. So, so you and I live in a neighborhood has 40 houses so glenn moves in and and has 10 kids so we go you know what glenn's breeding too much we need to take him and his kids out because there's not enough room and then bart moved in so bart's got kids now him and his kids got to die because there's not enough room for everybody and that's your that's your logic that let's kill all the elephants well that's the only way that they're going to maintain the numbers and otherwise disease is going to take over and habitat well, destruction took over because it, it was there before we had rifles well, okay. Before there was a 338 or a 410 nitro. All I can say, Steve, God said multiply. Exactly. Yeah, well, that's true. All right. Well, when we come back, we'll continue this discussion now that uh, Steve is thoroughly PO'd. No, I'm not, I'm not PO'd. It's just, you know. <laughs> it'll be it'll be interesting because we're going to take a fast break. We're brought like to you by a leopard in a barnyard. Chief Five Feet Outdoors and Brandon Ford. Stay with us. Welcome back, everybody. It's the Big and Wild Outdoors. Braden, Glenn, Bart, and now the fabulous and famous Steve Austin. I guess you'll be on, uh, where are you going first? Q105. Q105 for a while. and then Q105. Yeah, and then you're going to be over at uh, K99 for a while. 
QYK. Yes. Yeah, QYK. You'll be there. Get, um, get me in trouble calling it K99. That's well, all I need. I'm a, P, I'm a P1 from the old school days, uh-huh. so I'm all sorry. Right. K99. Uh, listen, uh, before the break, we were talking a little bit about this uh, gentleman who uh, professed to uh, kill over 5,000 elephants, 60 lions, 50 hippos, and 40 leopards, and is being called out by the in-trophy uh, hunting group out there. And... Uh, they say that uh, the African uh, elephant does uh, 10 to 20 times more elephants in the areas out there than the area can sustain, and it's destroying the environment. Without proper management, including culls, he argues that the parks will be overrun and endangered more uh, species than elephants alone. So, you know, there's other things out there that uh, need that cover so, as so well. So 40 leopards overran <clears throat> those 10,000 acres, too? Uh, uh, maybe they were, you know, killing villagers. I don't know. You saw... Ghost I mean, in the darkness. Don't, don't a lot of those leopard calls come from, let's say, the villagers where they're, uh, the leopards are uh, harassing their livestock, and so therefore they call I, the professional hunter I to think come you out? get a lot of the, the natives calling and go, hey, we have 10 leopards out here, 10,000 apiece, you can shoot one. Yeah. I think that's how that works. <clears throat> Could be. Uh, but uh, Eduardo Cancavas, uh, founder of the campaign to end trophy hunting, says, rubbish. Mr. Uh, Thompson's claims are not true, saying natural animal. this is what you said before the break, saying natural animal populations rarely overstock themselves. That's right. Uh, and that is true. Uh, you see it in whitetails, that's for sure. Uh, the African elephant population as a whole has been a very serious decline, he said, adding there are numerous instances of management culling being used as a cover for trophy hunting. All right, here, here's the problem I got. You know, on State Road 52, our buddy Randy was a deputy. He's moved up to Tennessee now. He used to have that incredible place to hunt out there you stake the bucks there yeah you could not go through the gate without seeing turkeys hogs deer i mean place was eat up so we hunted out there maybe three years and killed four or five turkeys and 10 hogs and then they bulldozed it to make a golf course when it got sold how many turkey eggs do you think got run over by the bulldozers i'm gonna say more than a dozen a lot more than that, sure. <laughs> Just and, and you know no hogs no deer because if there's one thing florida needs it's another damn golf course yeah, well you know uh, people like to uh spend time out on golf courses well, uh, uh mr conkey's report claims that since 1980s since the 1980s elephant numbers in southern africa have declined from 1.3 million to just over 400,000. Well, i would agree with that number in the same period hunters from around the globe have taken more than a hundred thousand back to their home countries uh, the group says that it's been a fourfold increase in the number of elephants taken in 2015 compared to 1985. The jump in the amount of ivory taken over the same period has nearly uh, 12-fold. And so, on that so note, what do you think that they shot them for then when they were hunting? The <coughs> ivory or those delicious elephant steaks? Now here's here's the part that a lot of elephant people elephant burgers. A lot of people don't understand is uh, you know they're going to look at this guy as the bad guy. And uh, this I guy do. alone. Uh, but the fact is, is that uh, if you've not heard the news lately, in America, the number of Americans going over to Africa to hunt has actually declined quite significantly. Good. And in other states. But it has now been okayed for other nations to go down there and do it. And the number one client right now going into Africa and doing all the hunting is a country that uh, is been usually the people who have benefited most from ivory poaching and everything else in that country would be China. So the Chinese are now the ones, the number one uh, trophy hunters in the uh, well, in African nations. And I, I just wait. Here's what it's going to be funny. It's easy to make Americans feel bad about what they do. 
Are you going to get the same reaction when you try to go no, use no. your? Uh, your That's uh, not even a good question. No, no because you, you know, and, and no slam at Asian people here, but I mean, if you look at it realistically, the Japanese will eat anything that comes out of the water. Well, that's to a point. If it's, yeah. a, if it's a sea cucumber, uh, urchin, they don't care. A whale. A whale. Yeah. And, you know, I told you I love that show, Whale Wars, because they're out there ramming them whale boats and wrecking them. I loved it. <laughs> I'd love to have been on one of those. But, you know, that's what I'm saying. So you're going to have these people that are going to, no matter what, are going to eat everything on the planet. Now, Florida, we're just going to pave the whole state. We're not going to eat anything. Well, that's true. Because we need another 6,000 condos this month. Well, yeah, especially here in St. Petersburg. That'll sit empty forever. Yeah, and create more traffic and congestion and nasty. And then they can go back on and scream and yell how we need more of a rail system or uh, better yeah, buses. The thing I'm or, saying before you say I'm a, I'm a complete idiot, just go just go online one day and see who owns all these condos and houses that we're blowing up massive farmland for. Not Florida people. These are people in New York, New Jersey that have got people down here building them. Oh, yeah. Well, but I mean, yeah. on, on this one here, I, I assume that what, what I was saying was is that it's easy to attack Americans. It's easy to get on social media and beat up a cheerleader who, uh, you know, shot an Impala out there and, and put her picture up there on her African trip. But how is Greenpeace trophy hunting for whatever and all these other animal rights people? What kind of wall are they going to come up against when it comes to China? Do you think it's going to make a dent or a care or what do you think those people really no. do care whatsoever? No. No. They have no idea. So no, they, they cut out the middleman. They, they don't have to go buy their ivory from somebody else. They're going there to go get it well, themselves. Well, but the thing is, is that you took away the compassionate person like Steve Austin, right? Who would who would love to go to Africa, maybe take a kudu or a sable, and then that's it. He's done. Whereas you get the billionaires from China who go down there who go, how much is that? 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 And they go out there and they spend a month there and they kill uh, pretty close to what this guy did. You know, I wanted to get a lion. Uh, you know what? I want to get a neb. I want to get a hippo. Uh, you know what? I could use a couple of leopards. I, I just I want all of our kids and grandkids to have a place where they can see a live kudu and a live elephant and deer running around in Florida. Uh, it's instead of look at these nine thousand condos. I used to hunt turkeys. I, I make that speech all the time with my kids. Well, yeah. I you know I, I make it too with my children, and uh, they they long for the good old days when. I'm driving around yeah. going, uh, you know, from where we grew up, you know, from 83rd Avenue all the way to the Howard Franklin Bridge. I mean, you could still dove hunt out here and yeah. uh, where where this building is actually sitting well, I today. I remember the last dove hunt we went on. That's all houses now. I remember you and I went on a doe hunt down in Sarasota. You remember that? Yeah. And, and uh, in fact, Bo Jackson, the football player, was there that weekend. Yeah. Now that's 9,000 houses. Yeah. Ha- and, half and no deer. The, yeah. The Hi-Hat Ranch. Half yeah. of it is, is gone and now uh, big giant homes and everything else like that. Or no, the old, High House Ranch. Or the old, uh, the old celery fields down in sarasota yeah. used to be able to go down and go down. now it's all you know not only did they grow food there but you could also uh dove hunt there and now they're all they're all houses as well, well when i so. get the compound built there'll be none of that <laughs> <laughs> there'll be no poaching the compound it's gonna be the the austin compound as i said to the late time rivers once once the sandbags go up nobody gets in that's true <laughs> <laughs> tommy went are you serious yeah, <laughs> he thought I was serious. I can't get in. I'm like, no, you can get in. Yeah, you have to know the secret knock, and I'll yeah. give you that in about five more months. It ain't shaving a haircut. Try again. <laughs> exactly. Well, anyway, I know that uh, you know you're passionate in yours, and I know that on social media, when you see something like that, you're not afraid to put your two cents in, and that's why. I well, I know you got to go to break, but let me say this. Here's a problem I got yesterday. You probably saw it. Those two starving horses in Hillsborough County. I think one of them died. Yes, yeah. it did. Yeah. 
people going ape crap over that. Nine million comments. But I can go out here today and kill a baby that's full term and crying in my arms. That's cool. That's all right. <laughs> I'm with you, Steve. What, what is with wrong with this world? Well, you know, and the thing and is. I'm is, not saying starving horses is right. That was a horrible thing to do to Oh, him, no, but, he's he's a bad guy. I, but the fact you're this holding is, a crying nine-month nine full-term baby. I Something's messed up in this world. Now. Yeah, and, the only, and here's what's funny. The first excuse they use for that behavior for him is he's got dementia. Oh, he'll get out of it. So, uh, you know, so there's an excuse for, for, you know, putting the two horses in your backyard. I mean, literally a 40 by whatever it is backyard well, and uh, starving one to death and the other one just barely hanging on. I said, I said the other day, if the Lord's coming, he can't be far off. <laughs> That's for sure. Well, he can't get here soon enough is yeah. what I would say, you know. Well, Steve, thanks for sharing your thoughts on that. Have sure. a donut. That's your payment. <laughs> what is this? Squeeze it. Squeeze it. Rub it, Cook. There you go. I like it. <laughs> take it with You've you. You've heard that before. You got grandkids. All right, we got to take a break. It is the Big and Wild Outdoors. It's uh, it's getting crazy in here, but uh, we're brought to you by G Five Feeding Outdoors and Brandon Ford. We'll be back. All right, there we go. Man, I'm glad there's no cameras in here. Steve gets a little hot. I'm just saying. It's all there. Man, you opened up that can of worms. He's a very opinionated man, and he's entitled to every bit of it. Exactly. I mean, you know, and the man, uh, if you follow him on uh, social media, uh, good luck. He'll let you know. (laughs) Good luck. It's all good. It is one of those things. Hey, listen, just to give you a quick reminder of the big events that are going to be happening here pretty soon, I know that, Glenn, you've got, uh, we've got the... The uh, Sporting Clays event coming up here pretty soon. That's on the 20... What? 27th. 27th. The 27th of this month. Uh, we're going to be out there uh, shooting at uh, Fishhawk Fish Sporting Clays. So if you want to get a team together and all that kind of good stuff and come out and play, you know that you're more than welcome to do that. Uh, Lori Deaton and uh, her crew are going to be out there at G5 Feeding Outdoors coming up on uh, Thursday, April 25th. There's going to be food, drinks, and giveaways out there and uh, some raffles going on out there as she goes out and puts on a nice saltwater fishing clinic, a bait seminar, and uh, does some uh, cast net lessons while you're out there. And uh, she's a ball of fire, man. So uh, it's a, it'll be a good time had by all. And, of course, don't forget, Panta Vista Lodge. Go to PantaVistaLodge.com. Go get some information. There's a lot of information up there about the Panfish Challenge coming up in June. And we can't stress enough to go ahead and get your name put in the hat because it seems like it's kind of filling up kind of fast this yeah, year. Yeah, because one of the guys asked me this week uh, if when they gonna when when would they open up registration? And I said, dude, they're already taking it. You'll be like number fifteen or eighteen. You could be twenty now. Yeah, you he better like, hurry up. Got to be kidding me. I don't know. And those cabins and everything else, campsites and all the other stuff are going to go pretty quick if you plan on coming up and staying up there with us and I'm hanging dusting out. out. I'm dusting out the tent. Oh, that'll be a lot of fun. Now, Robert's on the phone. Robert from Smoking Aces Barbecue. What's going on with you, Big R? What's going on, fellas? Beautiful day today. Um, We're set up over at the Keelan Curly Farms for the uh, Blueberry Festival. Ooh. Blueberry Festival. So that's going on. Yep, that's going on today and tomorrow. This is the second weekend out there. they got about 100 vendors doing different craft stuff. Uh, There's a kid zone over there, and obviously they're going to be sampling all their their products out there and um it's really great out there the weather's fantastic and i encourage everybody to come out there and uh next week 
Thursday will be the 20th annual King of the Wings contest in Lakeland. And uh, we're going to try to win this thing for a third time. Very nice. Now, are you out there uh, cooking? I mean, where, why are you going out to the Blueberry Festival? Now, my son Josh is out there running it. Uh, obviously, I'm going to be at the restaurant. I mean, we've been extremely busy over there and been very fortunate. And we got a lot of things working. But one thing I did want to talk about is the new barbecue sauce I've been working on for the Big and Wild. And it will be the Big and Wild Bold and Spicy. What? Yeah, man, we got a little bit of habanero and some honey that we've been working in on it. Because we want to have we want it to have a nice punch, a little bit of sweetness on the backside at the same time. And uh, I think this is the one right here. Okay. Well, you know what? Uh, we're going to have to get out there, and uh, when it's all fully functional and developed, we'll have to uh, get a, give it a shot there. Well, first we got to let the fellas try it out. So once I get some jarred up and made, and uh, I think this is the finished product, and uh, we'll get it out to the guys and get everybody to try it out. And, uh, you know, then we'll, at that point, be ready to do something with it. Right. I'd like to try mine out on some of them uh, wings that you cook up and, uh, you know. If you just get it ready, let me know. I'll just come try it. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> is this going to be a good all-around sauce? I mean, uh, chicken, pork, beef, all that stuff, it'll all be good. Yes, it will. Okay. But it'll have a little bit more of a punch on the backside, but not overwhelming. I mean, people think when you think habanero or something, oh, it's fire, it's fire. It is fire, but when it's tamed right, it's all about the flavor that's in the pepper itself. That's exactly right. I never could understand why people uh, make a hot sauce where it's so hot that after your third bite, you don't taste anything except uh, your nose is running and your you eyes are half water. of the uh, napkin holder wiping the off the <laughs> Well, the habanero yeah, with the honey. Look, we're going to be in We have two sauces that we're going to send up to Georgia in a national contest. This is one of the largest sauce competitions in the country. Uh-huh. And uh, we're going to see what happens with it. Last time we sent one in to Kansas City and we took third. So uh, I'm really hoping that we're going to do well with this product. And as always, I'm just trying to go top 10 because you're going to have four or 500 sauce entries in there. That, that is true. So are, are you saying that you're going to try to enter the big and wild sauce or is this, uh, you know, yep. put it under another? I'm going with three. I got two on the table, but I needed one that I wanted to do on some chicken. And that's the one that I'm going to go with. Ah, so. So we're just going to see what happens. It's just. You know, you never can tell. It's trial and error in this thing. To, you know, each person has their own uh, flavors that they like. Try. But for me, you know, it's big and wild, so we can't have sweet and lit. You know, we need to have something that's got, it's bold, it's spicy, it's going to be great on venison also. So, you know, I know how to cook that. Yes, yes, you do. And usually it involves some sort of bacon as well, so it's always a good time. <laughs> absolutely, well, absolutely. Now this- I was going to say this. I hope to see the fellas out there. When I get that sauce jarred up, I'll give you a holler and uh, get you guys out there. And uh, let's just keep smoking. It's a great morning. Yeah, that's right. Well, go have fun out there. Keelan Curly. It's happening uh, all day today. Is it open up now or uh, 10 o'clock? Uh, it opens at, opens at 10, closes at 6. There you go. That'll be an awesome day out there. Take the kids out there, let them run around, and uh, Eat you, you got to stay for the, uh, the blueberry uh, free-for-all fight at the end of the day. It'll be awesome. <laughs> all right fellas thank you see you robert robert smoking aces barbecue uh go out there keel and curly it's a good place it's right up there off the uh forbes road forbes road you go branch north forbes. north on the branch forbes road you go south and go to 92 take a left go down about uh, a quarter of a mile and there's t5 feet outdoors so you can do both in one day yep you can go out so there and uh, do some shopping i'm kind of thinking about that sauce he's made uh <laughs> big and wild with a untamed already, you know untamed what? with the 
with a taste of sweet. I, you know, you've come in here today and you brought food, but yet you've alluded to food all day today. Is Maybe we can uh, put some of the big and wild sauce on one of these hole-in-one donuts. Uh, that could be an interesting <laughs> that combination. That could be a thing, man. A pulled pork with a big and wild sauce on I tell one you of those hole-in-one donuts. I tell you, my new favorite donut, and I just found it by mistake, I just was like, uh, you know, I'll give it a shot, was the... Caramel and sea salt. Who would have ever thought that that would make a donut literally taste like it fell from heaven? Bro, it's been on cheesecake for years, so somebody got smart and was like, why don't we put that in a donut? It has been? Oh, I don't yeah, know. See, I don't know. I'm new to Talk to the chef over here. Well, I know that, but I'm just like, I'm like, what is that one right there? I thought it was one of the maple jobbers, and he's like, oh, no, that's uh, caramel and sea salt. And I went, yeah, let me get one of those. They got to try caramel sea salt with a dash of cayenne. That's and- you got to try that next. Well, that's what I'm saying. With this with this new barbecue sauce that Robert's, uh, you know, formulating, it might be something that we might want to uh, slather on top of one of these hole-in-the-wall donuts and just see what happens. I'm just saying it's an experiment that we uh, should actually for, partic- participate in. I'm always down for food experiments. Look at it this be way. Be the new glaze. Look what you've learned on the show today. Not only have we taught you how to uh, become a worm entrepreneur. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, be successful at that and become a multimillionaire just with uh, things that, you know, that come from the earth. Basically feed themselves. And then uh, maybe I'll feed them the hole in one donut, get them by. You ain't getting those donuts back. Why would you do that? (laughs) Seriously. Sacrilege. That is really not good. I'll bring them up to the top and then I won't have to dig anything. Oh, is that what it is? Just as a lure. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just hang the donut over the worm bed. They're all the worms are trying to reach for it. Well, and then I learned something today too. As uh, Bart pointed out, I got to. Uh, I'm going to have to uh, try to find me some decent little tiny brim circle hooks, man. I want to give them a shot this year. I mean, either you lose it or you catch it, and that's it's it's better than that's it's with everything, Bart. Yeah, but they're and not I, choking on it. <laughs> the other thing that you should have learned is don't ask Steve Austin any of those questions like that again. I wanted to because <laughs> I wanted to hear his uh, humble opinion. You wanted to fire him up for the day, get him you know get him motivated. Because I knew that getting ready, getting yeah. ready to go charge hell with a water pistol. And before we get out of here, I wanted to let you guys take a look at some of these. I brought some uh, reaction innovations uh, samples. That you Why might are you want just to bringing them up now when because, the show's almost over? And also, this is a new product that we may be bringing into the store. Uh, Big Dog Baits. I wanted you to see what and get your opinion on. I already like well. the colors. You haven't even opened it up I don't, yet. I'm the ones that are on the outside. I, I'm, I'm, yeah. Black and gold, watermelon, red flake. Houdini's in Where's there? the big dog baits made? Right here. St. Petersburg, Pinellas County, my friend. Oh, what? Yeah. Don't give me that look like, what? I like the color. Yeah, Take the rubber band off. There, the there, there is bass fishing in Pinellas County. You wouldn't believe it. But there I know. You couldn't. I wanted to get Dean Frazier's opinion on them as well. These are the uh, shads. These are the swimmers. These worms right here, flip and float. It's the only worm made that this end actually floats. So when you Carolina rig it, it stays off the bottom, and if you wacky worm it, it actually gets it to go do this little thing in the water. Freaks the bass out, and they're like, what is that? I'm going to get that. I guess you that. opened it already, so where'd you try that? Well, of course I had to open it up. I, get, you know, I, I thought just, maybe you was tasting it. I, well, I want to know why you're just bringing them out now. And, the, and these fleece, because we're getting out of here and the show's over, and that way we didn't spend three hours talking about these baits. Talking about baits. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right, we'll give you the opinion on them next week. It's the Big and Wild Outdoors. Thank you, Bart. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Steve Austin. We uh, hope you guys have a great and wonderful weekend. Be safe out there. Enjoy it. Go out and play. And just uh, go out and enjoy the whole entire weekend. Yeah, I'm going to give you a little bit of advice. Wear sunscreen. Yeah, and uh, remember, it's, it's short. Weekend sounds long, but Monday's just right around the corner. All right, get out and enjoy it. We'll see you guys next Saturday. It's Big and Wild Outdoors. Thank you. See you.